Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're new here at Faith, we put all of my notes in the Version Bible app. So if you go to the Bible app, you open up more and events, you'll see Faith Christian Center, and you'll see my notes for today, and you can follow along with me. We also put all of our messages online for free. You can follow them on YouTube. You can see it on our podcast as well as on our website, fccj.com. Greetings to everybody watching us on Facebook Live. Go ahead and share and invite other people to watch with you. And so this is part three of our Operation Glory series. And so one of the things we did in August, we celebrated 25 years of faith. How the Lord had our bishop come down and start this church in 1993. We talked about the amazing thing God has done over the last 25 years. And then on September 29th, we launched our new vision statement and our mission statement for our next 25 years. We focused on that for two weeks, and after that, we started what we call Faith and Family in the Fall. We call it the House of Faith series. Every fall, if you're newer here at Faith, we take time and we teach on faith, family, and relationships to make sure that our family units are tight and strong and successful. And so there are some seasons in series God leads us to where our focus is on us. But even if he directs our focus on us, we must never forget the mission God has given us. We must never forget the mission why God has brought us together. And so one of the things we're doing in this series, Operation Glory, the Holy Ghost is reminding us of our mission and why he's called us together and what he wants us to do over the next 25 years. We said our vision statement is to ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. Our mission statement, if you continually do your mission statement, you can complete your vision. So our mission statement is what we focus on every Wednesday and Sunday as we gather together. And it's to create an environment where anyone can experience the love of God understand his word, and become a part of a family that radically impacts our communities and the world. A few weeks ago, we shared about preparing your family for 2019 part four. And in that message, we saw how the early church positioned them to receive God suddenly. We see sudden things happen for the good of the early church. And one of the things we saw how they positioned themselves is that they were on mission. Say on mission. mission. Being on mission is doing what God instructed them to do. And so if you're on mission, you have positioned yourself to receive suddenly from God. That even though Satan may attack, you don't have to be worried about his attack because you know God can respond with a suddenly. So we talked about if we want to position ourselves as individuals to receive suddenly from God, or as a church, we must be on mission in our individual lives as well as on mission as a church family. One of the things the Lord told us about this year will be a year of fullness, a year of overflow, and a year of glory. We shared on fullness earlier this year. We shared an overflow earlier this year, and now we're talking about glory. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6, read it from the Amplified Classic Edition, one of our foundational passages for the series. Paul says, yet when we are among the full grown, spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but it is indeed not a wisdom of this present age 
or of this world, nor of the leaders and rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. But rather what we are setting forth is a wisdom of God once hidden from the human understanding and now revealed to us by God. That wisdom which God devised and decreed before the ages for our glorification to lift us into the glory of his presence. None of the rulers of this age or world perceived and recognized and understood this. For if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So this is also our Christmas series. And a lot of times when people do Christmas series, they look at the account of Matthew. They look at the account of Luke. But recently I was thinking, how would the Apostle Paul tell the Christmas story? And then I began to think, well, how would he tell it if he lived today? And you guys already know I like my props and my examples and my movies. I believe the Apostle Paul would use secret agents. I believe he would use spies. And so just a quick review of what we've covered in the series so far. Picture it this way. For millennia in the past, there was a mysterious file in God marked top secret. It was so well hidden that no man knew exactly what was in the file. Few caught glimpses of what surrounded the file, but this top secret mystery was hidden away from all human sight. Even anointed prophets of the Old Testament were prophesied by what's in the file, but they still didn't understand it. They still didn't comprehend it. And people were like, oh, yes, it's a top secret file, but when Jesus came, it was all revealed. No, it wasn't. Because if it was all revealed, Peter, James, and John, and the other apostles would have known it. Peter didn't bring out this mystery or what was his top secret file. It wasn't even John, even though Jesus told John secrets. It wasn't James, John's brother, or James, Jesus' little brother, that brought it. But there was the Apostle Paul. As you read his writings, which is about two-thirds of the New Testament, over and over in Paul's writings, you see the word mystery, which means divine secret, plan, and purpose. It's something that is meant to be revealed. To understand Paul's writing, you have to understand what he talked about when he said mystery. And he would say over and over again, there was a mystery hidden in God before the world was ever created. And so I picture Apostle Paul like Tom Cruise from Mission Impossible in 1996. The Apostle Paul lowering into that CIA room. It was temperature control. Tom Cruise caught that sweat in his hand, lowered to the computer, got the file, and they pulled him out. That's how I picture Apostle Paul getting this mystery from God. Because you read in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, I pray in tongues more than the entire church of Corinth put together. And Paul says, when you pray in the Holy Ghost, when we pray in other tongues, you pray out mysteries, divine secrets, plans, and purposes. Paul was a man who was already filled with the Word. He was taught with the Word by the best teachers of the land. But he took time to pray in the Holy Ghost. And as he prayed in the Holy Ghost, Jesus began to show him what this mystery was. It got to a point in Paul's life, he said, the reason I'm here is to proclaim this mystery. He personally said it's called my gospel. The reason I'm here, my call, is to take what's in the top secret file and share it with others. This was a driving force behind Paul's ministry and mentality. He said, although it was hidden, the apostle Paul, like a secret agent, got the file. And I said, if the apostle Paul was telling the Christmas story, I couldn't see him starting with the angel appearing to Mary. I think Paul would take it all the way back to the beginning. So in part one, we talked about Adam and Eve. We looked at how they fell short of the glory of God and how they fell into the slave market of sin. We explained why Jesus had to be born of the virgin so that he can get us out of the slave market of sin. That when Adam sinned, Satan came in control. He became the God of this world, as 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says. And when he did that, he demanded that all men die. But when Jesus came, 
and he died and was raised again for our justification, our acquittal, us being declared not guilty. He declared that all men have a choice. So you're not just saved automatically. He won't make you choose heaven. He'll give you a choice. And so he came and opened the slave market of sin. So anyone, any man, any woman, any boy, any girl at any time can walk out through what Jesus has already provided. They don't have to work to get out. They can just choose Jesus and walk out. But we said Jesus didn't just come for our salvation to save us from our sins and get us out of the slave market of sin. As we already saw in 1 Corinthians 2, he also came for our glorification, to lift us into the glory of God's presence. We looked at Hebrews when it says that the captain of our salvation will bring many sons unto glory. That glorification within redemption was always part of God's plan. He didn't just want to save us from our sins. He wanted us to bring us back to the original spot of glory where he created Adam and Eve. So we looked at it in that part one and part two. If you missed any of those messages, I encourage you to watch it on YouTube or look on our podcast on our website and catch up with us. We looked at how Satan didn't realize he tripped into God's secret plan. Because if Satan knew what God was up to, he would never crucify Jesus. So we said the real mission behind the Christmas story is twofold. Souls and the glory. It is about salvation and being saved from sin. But it's also concerning our glorification. It was all a part of God's plan to restore the glory to man. It's always God's top secret plan to lift us into the glory of his presence. Glorification within redemption was always God's plan. We said last week the Bible is the story of the glory. It is filled to, with references of the glory of God. In Ephesians 1.17, God is called the Father of glory. In Acts and Psalms, he's called the God of glory. In Psalms, he's called the King of glory. In 1 Peter, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of glory. And here in 1 Corinthians, Jesus is called the Lord of glory. So we looked at different references to the glory of God last week. And we examined how God placed his glory in us. Jesus prayed in John 17. He says, Father, the glory you have given me, that glory we all saw all throughout the Old Testament, what you gave me that manifested in my ministry. And we tracked that through the ministry of Jesus. He said, I have given them. Not saying, well, they'll get some glory one day. If you're born again, as soon as you're born again, the glory of God was placed on the inside of you. Amen. See, one of the things we understand about temples and tabernacles in the Old Testament, God puts glory in his temples. Amen. When Moses built the tabernacle, God put glory in the tabernacle. When Solomon built the temple, God put glory in that temple. And we're under a new covenant with better promises. Don't you think God will put glory in his New Testament temples? We saw in 1 Corinthians 6 how we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are God's temple, and God has placed his glory within us. You have glory right now. Say, I have glory on the inside of me. I'm not saying you can get glory one day. You got glory right now. You got more glory on the inside of you right now than you ever thought. That was part of Paul's top secret file. That God was not just going to save us. He was going to put the glory in us. So as Luke, we looked at Luke's account last week. And remember, Luke was part of Paul's apostolic team. And so I know as Luke did some research, I'm sure he was talking to Paul about what he learned. So go to Luke chapter 2, verse 40. We see how Luke begins to bring to close the Christmas narrative, the first couple weeks of Jesus' life, lead to some early years, and then progress into his adult life and ministry. But notice one of the ways he begins to tie it together to be in a transition to other stories. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child Jesus grew 
and wax strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. And verse 52, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And I'm pretty sure that if Luke was telling Paul, say, yeah, Jesus grew up. Paul would have said, you know what? Yes, Jesus grew up, but we need to grow up too. Because something else in Paul's writing was talking about spiritual maturity. So reading verse 6 again of 1 Corinthians 2, Amplified Classic Edition says, Yet when we are among the full grown, the spiritually mature Christians who are ripe in understanding, we do impart a higher wisdom, the knowledge of the divine plan previously hidden, but is indeed not a wisdom of this present age or of this world or of the leaders or the rulers of this age who are being brought to nothing and are doomed to pass away. If you're looking at the King James, this is the word perfect. That word perfect actually means mature. So Paul's saying when we're on with the spiritual grown-ups, we have a different conversation. So notice he says he shares concerning the topic of the top secret file among those who are spiritually mature and those who are ready to handle it. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 through 29. Another passage is one of the foundational passages of the series. If you're nearer here at faith, we believe in showing you the Bible. The Word of God, Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Because you don't have to take the word of a preacher just because he or she says it. If they can't prove it to you in the book, you're under no obligation to receive it or believe it or do it. We follow the book, not personalities and opinions. So Colossians chapter 1, verse 26. Even the mystery... The divine secret, plan, or purpose, which has been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches, the abundance of the glory of this divine secret, this top secret file among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We said hope here means confident expectation. Hope always points to the future. So if there's hope of glory, and you already have glory, That means there's more glory for you. That although you have a lot of glory right now, you haven't even scratched the surface of what you can get. One of the things about Jesus being in you means you have an expectation of more glory. Whereas one translation we looked at last week that you can share more in the glory of God. So Paul says, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or grown up or mature in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, his energy, which works in me mightily. Notice what Paul describes the goal of his ministry. To get believers to a place of maturity. Because of what was in the top secret file. Paul greatly desired to bring believers to a place of spiritual maturity. Once believers are in a place of maturity, what's in the top secret file will be more active in their life. So are you a mature believer? See, because spiritual maturity is not based on age. You could be saved 50 years and still be a spiritual baby. Or put it this way, you could be saved a long time but still be sitting at the spiritual kitty table. The kiddie table is not a bad place to be if you are a child. But if you're 38 sitting in that chair, there's a problem. If once again you have to get the plastic utensils and your sippy cup so you don't make a mess, it's okay if you do. But when you're 42, something has to change. 
And if you think something has changed in the natural, imagine spiritually. Now, there have been people saved for decades, heard some of the best teaching on earth, and they're still sitting at the kitty table. See, growing up spiritually is like leveling up. So, growing up, I like video games. I still like video games. I just don't have time to play them as much as I would like to. So, one of the games I would like to play were RPGs, role-playing games. And in those games, I remember one of my favorite ones as a kid was Super Mario RPG. It was on the Super Nintendo. Now, some of the people here younger than me says, a Super Nintendo, what's that? Now I feel even older, but we'll keep moving on. <laughs> but on that game, when Mario and his buddies would fight and defeat different enemies, they'd get experience points. And you get enough experience points, you would level up. So you go from level one to level two. And when you leveled up, your attack stats would increase. So next time you hit, it would be stronger. Your defense would increase. If you get hit, it wouldn't affect you as much. But every certain levels, whether it's level 5 or level 10, every time you hit a certain mark, you can learn new abilities. If you leveled up enough. If you grew up enough. See, being at the spiritual baby at the kiddie table, it's okay to start at. But that's not where you're supposed to finish. Because if you grow up or level up, say level up, up. you can get some new abilities. There's some more glory for you. But it's not put in the people who stay at the kiddie table. Amen. It's put on those who grow up, who level up. So in this series, I've been talking a lot about spies. I've used Mission Impossible a lot, but I also like James Bond. James Bond. He's known for his nice suits and his tux. And so he'll have a nice tux on. But this is not even the special things that make James Bond James Bond. If you want his gadgets, the tux is the gadget. But see, there's a lot of people who are at the kiddie table who know how to dress grown. You may look grown spiritually, but you're still ga-ga-goo-goo. We have to grow up, not just for us, but for the world around us. It's okay to start at the kiddie table. You just can't stay there. You have to mature. You have to grow. You have to level up. Say level up. Because there's some things that you can get if you level up. You see, one of the things about James Bond when he was on mission, say on mission. Before he would go out to do what he was supposed to do, he would talk to Q, the quartermaster. So people at the kiddie table aren't ready for a conversation with Q. They aren't ready for Q to drop off some high-tech gadgets, some high-level stuff that can help you on your mission. They're just ready to sit at the kiddie table. But see, the thing is, it's not just for you to look grown. It's for you to be grown. Are you ready to have a conversation with Q? Are you ready for the quartermaster to upgrade your gifts? Are you ready to go to the next level? See, it's not up to God about you going to the next level. It's up to you. He's put everything for you to go to the next level already in your power right now. It's your choice whether you grow up or not. Because, you know, we have kids in kids' world and youth ministry who they're growing up spiritually. Some of them are passing you. 
It's about choices. It's about what will you do with what you're taught. So in a few minutes, we're going to look at five indicators for you, questions for you to ask yourself. Are you a spiritual grown-up? Or are you still at the kiddie table? Ask your neighbor, said, are you a grown-up spiritually? Oh, man, no one answered. Look at your other neighbor, say, God got goo-goo. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at some indicators. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Because remember, Paul was talking to the church of Corinth. He says, when I'm with the spiritually grown, I talk about the top secret file. So notice what he says just a few verses later. Still in the same thought process. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, couldn't talk to you as unto spiritual or mature people, but as carnal, fleshly, even as babies in Christ. He says, I have fed you with milk and not with meat because you're not able to bear it. You weren't able to bear it then, and you're not able to bear it now. So we know when babies are born, all they can stomach is milk. And that's okay because they're babies. But eventually they should grow up and be able to eat some more. And so Paul says, I want to give you a steak, but I have to pass you a bottle. For you are fleshly. You are carnal. How did Paul know they're babies and carnal? There is envy and strife and divisions among you. Are you not carnal and fleshly and walk as men? Another translation says, mere men. So you're not walking, spiritual grown-ups. You're not walking in glory. You haven't talked to Q and up using some upgraded gifts. You're walking just like everybody else. They don't need to watch reality TV. They can just come to your church. What are they saying? For while one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, aren't you fleshly? They got into a great civil war about who was their favorite preacher and who they identified with. And it spiraled to a great civil war. They broke up into factions. And it opened the door for the enemy to run havoc in that church. They were so out of order, it took Paul six chapters. Six chapters to correct them before he even answered their question. Because they sent Paul questions. You see, the first question, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 1. But Paul says, I'm going to take six chapters to get you all online before I even answer what you asked. But what was one of the indicators of their spiritual babies? Question one, are you full of strife? The Corinthian church was envious and broke into factions over who was their favorite preacher and who they identified with. Strife, being envious, and always being divisive is an indication of spiritual immaturity and of being fleshly, not spiritual. If everywhere you go, fights break out, Everywhere you go, it gets messy, and you're the root of it. You ain't a mature Christian. Well, some people say, well, it's the prophetic anointing. Me. No, it's not. Don't blame stuff on the prophetic when it's more pathetic. You could be in a certain gift in office and still be a baby. See, the thing is, you have to know that God expects us to grow. Now watch this gift, right? Gift. Very simple, not your question. Big guy right there. 
in the green shirt. Come here, help me for a second. Yep, yep. Come on. Yes, you. So I want you to watch this. I'm going to give him this gift. Did he grow up? You mean when I gave him a gift, he didn't grow up? Did he get taller? Do you feel taller? No. Do you feel five years older? No. No? So nothing happened just because I gave you a gift. Thank you. Gifts don't make you grow. Gifts don't make you grow. Gifts don't grow you up. You can be a baby and have a gift. Amen. You can be a baby and operate proficiently in your gift, Amen. but still be a baby. Amen. You can be a gift and still be a baby. Amen. There can be people who have great anointings on their life, but still babies. Amen. Say gifts, gifts don't make you grow. So don't say, well, because they're gifted, they're mature. That's not how it works. God gives gifts, but it's up to us to grow up. Say grow up. Grow up. Say level up. level up. So indicator number one, the question is, are you full of strife? Go to Hebrews chapter 5 verse 11. Are you the root and cause of all the drama? If you are, it indicates you're a baby. No matter how long you've been saved. Whether you heard Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin, and Charles Capp preach in person. You might have been there when they first got the revelation, but they grew up. Have you? Some people who are still spiritual babies, they got notebooks upon notebooks of great notes for some of the greatest teachers of the last century. But if they never did what was in those notebooks, they're still babies. Or get this, they may have done what they're supposed to do in the 80s and the 90s. But they stopped somewhere along the way. And they went from being grown back to babies. See, spiritual growth is not linear. You can go backwards and forwards. You could be mature today and back on a bottle in 2020. That's about what you do consistently. Because in consistency, there is power. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. The author of Hebrews is on the same thought process, the same pattern. Hebrews 5, verse 11, of whom, some of Melchizedek, we have many things to say, and it's hard to say, not because it's deep, not because the author doesn't understand it. He says, because you are dull of hearing. Notice what this man of God is saying. There's a lot of stuff I want to preach, I want to say, but I can't say it. And it's hard for me to say, it's hard for me to get it out, because you're dull of hearing. So notice how a word or a message that comes out is not just dependent on the man or woman of God, if they're anointed, if they prayed, if they studied, if they flowed on the Holy Ghost. It's also dependent on the people who are there to hear or receive. Because not everybody comes to church to get the word. People come for many different reasons. Now notice what this author goes on to say. It says, for when you are, for when, for the time, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teaching people now. You need someone to teach you again the kindergarten principles, the elementary principles of the oracles of God. It's not like you're still learning process. You're still in potty training. This is not what he's talking about. He says, you were taught. 
You were supposed to be grown up by now. But now we have to do it all over again. Imagine the wasted time. Imagine the difference they could have made. Imagine the things that could have happened if they actually grew up some. And are become as such that need a bottle and can't handle a steak. For everyone that only uses milk, that's only surviving on a bottle, is unskillful and the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But strong meat, the steak belongs to them that are full of age, mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Go to James chapter 3, verse 2. Place time to grow up. It's time to level up. James chapter 3, verse 2. Notice what the Holy Ghost says through James. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a mature man or a grown-up man, and able also to bridle the whole body. The Amplified says it this way. For we all stumble and sin in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, Never saying the wrong thing. He is a perfect man, fully developed in character, without serious flaws, able to bridle his whole body and reign in his entire nature, taming his human faults and weaknesses. So indicator number two, question number two. Are you loose with the words that you say? Are you loose with the words that you say? Or a post, or a tweet, or a snap, or a text? Because that is an indicator of your maturity. Your speech and what you say and what you don't say points to the level of your maturity. Notice that James says that if you can control your tongue, it will enable you to control your whole body and other areas of your life. And so if you're having issues of self-control in certain areas of your life, I guarantee you, you're loose with your mouth too. Because if you will learn to control your tongue, you can control everything that you do. James goes on to talk about the tongues like a rudder of a ship. It steers where you're going. One of the things that my wife has put up in our house is your day will turn the direction of the corners of your mouth. Your mouth speaks if you're mature or not. He's like, well, I just got to clap back. No, you don't. If you always have to clap back, you always feel compelled to clap back. And you always yield to that compulsion. You're at the kitty table. I'm not talking about you had an off day. You just had a day, you just went off. It was a bad day, you just went off. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if every day is an off day. Every day you're going off. Every day you're giving someone a piece of your mind. Every day you're using words that you know you shouldn't use. You're at the baby table. Go to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at our third indicator. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, They are the sons of God. Sons here denotes maturity. So number three, are you led by the Spirit or do you just do whatever you feel like doing? 
Spiritual babies do what they feel like doing. The spiritually mature check in with the Holy Ghost and follow his guidance. Do you just do whatever you feel like doing, whatever you think is best, whether it's an emotional decision or a logical decision? Or do you actually take time to check in with the Holy Ghost? Because God, the way he guides you is not going to be turning the sky blue, green, purple, and polka dotted. And making some big sign in the sky. That's not the normal way he gives you guidance. It's a still, small voice in your spirit. It's listening to that voice. The Holy Spirit is always guiding, always talking. People doesn't always listen. He's even talking to people who aren't even saved. We've all seen people on the news as well. Something told me not to go over there. It's not a something. It's a someone. And he's the Holy Ghost. The mature check in with him. Yes, in general direction of life. Is this what I'm supposed to do? And then you keep checking within him on the journey. But also on the small things. One of the things I remember Dad Hagen said years ago is one of the most important things that believers can learn who live at the end times is how to be led by the Spirit of God. Because even if it's not for your maturity, it's for your security. It's for your safety. You know, even the smaller things, before I go to movies, I was like, am I, can I go to this showing? Or somebody could do something crazy. I'm checking with my spirit. Before I book flights for places, is this flight okay? And even when I'm at the airport, am I supposed to get on this plane? What well, I'm checking with my spirit. Following my spirit. That is maturity. You got to do it on a regular basis. And then when he says change, you change. And it's not something spooky. It's just you just listening to your heart. You go into certain situations, you just listen to your heart. Doesn't mean you're looking super deep. You're just listening. Seeing if the Holy Ghost says anything. Sometimes you say, well, you can do what you want to do. I trust you in this. It's what you want. It's like sometimes he'll ask you, well, what do you want? So, well, God, I want this car. Well, okay, get the car. Well, what color should I have? Well, whatever, whatever's your favorite color, get it. Some things he'll let you choose. But there's a lot of times we miss out on God's best because we never check in. And we stay at the kiddie table because we never ask God for guidance. Or sometimes we get in the habit of doing what he told us to do before. We get married to the method instead of the principle. It's like David in the Old Testament when he sought the Lord. He says, should I go up against the Philistines to do battle? They've invaded. And God says, go, I'll be with you. The next year, the same situation came, again, came around. Most people say, well, if God said to do this last year, this is what I'm going to do again. But David understood the principle. He sought the Lord again. He inquired of the Lord, as it says in King James. And asked him, should I go up? He says, yes, you should go up, but this is how you're supposed to do it this time. Don't go this way, go this way. A lot of people run into trouble because they still try to do the thing that God told them to do last time. When God wants you to do something different. But you don't know because you don't check in. You have to keep checking in with the Holy Ghost and make yourself open to hear from him. That is an indicator of maturity. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at verse 13 this time. Let's look at a few more indicators before we shift and go another direction. Till we all come 
and the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or a mature or grown-up man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. Notice what it says children are. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him on all things which is the head, even Christ. Indicator number four. Question number four. Are you doctrinally wishy-washy? Are you doctrinally wishy-washy? Do you jump on and into any new teaching, philosophy, and seemingly deep meme? There are people, oh, I believe this today. Then a meme shows up tomorrow morning. Oh, I don't believe that anymore. That indicates you're still a baby. That you're not rooted and grounded in the word of God. That people can so easily change your mind about stuff. I'm not talking about listening to anointed teaching of the word of God, receiving fresh revelation. I'm talking about looking for things that itches your ears and tells you you can stay in your sin. Something that you look to encourage you that tells you you can stay in your mess when you know God has called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. When God has called you out of Babylon but living in the new kingdom system. But because some philosophers, I don't say that a philosopher. Yeah, they, they're talk show hosts today. They're reporters. They're celebrities. They have huge Instagram followings. They're still philosophers. But you change what you think and what you believe and what you say because of what they said. And you leave the word of God behind. There are so many people I've seen that have left their faith in Christ because someone posted up a Facebook video saying that they've seen some deep things and that none of the things that's on the Bible actually exist. And they don't even have a good case against that. A couple years ago, I did a series called I Believe, refuting all the things that they were saying on Facebook from historical perspectives and the word of God. You can't be so wishy-washy if you expect to be grown. If you're always jumping from doctrine to doctrine, changing your mind every day, it shows that you are a spiritual baby. Paul says some of these doctrines come out because people want to take advantage of you and steal from you. And Paul says the grown-ups don't go wishy-washy, which means you have to get in the word of God for yourself. You have to read the Bible for yourself. As I said before, you don't take the word of a preacher just because they said it. If they can't prove it to you from the Bible, you're under no obligation to receive it and no obligation to do it. Which means you must read the word for yourself. And where you spend a lot of your time is in the New Testament writings, especially the letters. You have to read it for yourself. You have to study it for yourself. That's one of the reasons why we have Faith Bible Institute, and I made it free this year. So people can grow in their faith. That's why we put our notes in the Bible lab. That's why we put everything on Facebook Live and on YouTube so people can hear and they can grow. That's one of the reasons why myself and my ministers, we, put, we present the message with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. So it's not the opinion of man. You see what the Word of God actually has to say. Why? It's the purpose so that you can grow and know what you believe and not be doctrinally wishy-washy. Number five, when you speak the truth, do you communicate in love? When you speak the truth, do you communicate in love? It's not just telling you, well, I told them the truth. But did you say it in love? Living in love is an indicator of spiritual maturity. Loving others as Jesus loves you shows if you're mature or not. Because it's easy to be messy. It's easy to be ratchet. 
It feels good sometimes. Don't look at me like that. He's like, oh, he's telling the truth, but I can't say amen because people know it's me. That's the easy thing to do. That's the baby thing to do. But it takes grown-ups to forgive everybody of everything. It takes grown-ups to say, you know what? I'm going to walk in love. It takes grown-ups to say, I'm going to bless those that just cussed me out. My first reaction is to slap the mess out of them, but I decide to bless them instead. Grown-ups. Number five, do you speak the truth in love? Because living in love is an indicator of spiritual maturity. So where are you in your spiritual maturity? Not where your spouse is, not where your kids are, not where your friends are. Where are you? Examine yourself. And if you're at the kiddie table, that's fine. Just don't stay there. It's like, oh, pastor, you stepped on my toes. Don't feel guilty about it. You don't have a right to feel guilty. Oh, I feel ashamed. You don't have a right to feel ashamed. Why? Jesus bore your shame. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel ashamed. Just develop a plan to get out of the kiddie table. You can make a decision. If you are at the kiddie table, if you're in spiritual kindergarten, you say, well, next year, I'm going to be in first grade. Grow. Go forward. Develop. Mature one thing that I learned about God, that you may get saved on day one. Day two, he doesn't expect you to be perfect. But he does want you to grow. See, God is the greatest businessman that ever existed. He invests and expects a return. And the Bible also calls him a farmer or a gardener. What farmer you know that just goes outside and throws seeds out there and never expects it to grow? God has invested in you. God has sown in you. And he wants to see growth. You have to realize God believes in you more than you believe in yourself. Because if God believed enough in all of his infinite wisdom to invest in you, to sow in you, he may know something you don't. So it's okay if you're at the kiddie table right now. A lot of people are at the kiddie table right now. Just say, well, I'm going to grow up. I'm making a decision. I'm going forward. I'm not going backwards. I'm keep moving forward. Because I'm ready to level up. I'm ready to grow up. I want some of those gadgets cute brought by. I'm ready to go to the next level. See, the thing is, go back up to verse 7 of Ephesians 4. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. So whenever you see the word grace, let the scripture define what is the text. Grace has 19 different definitions. So let the scripture define the scripture. And it's talking about the supernatural ability for the gift that God has given you. Notice that every believer has a gift. Say, I have a gift. gift. It's not just super spiritual people. Every believer has a gift. Right now, as soon as you're born again, you got a gift from God. A divine ability that God has placed on the inside of you. Don't discount it. Don't discredit it. It reminds me of another movie, Men in Black, the first one. When Tommy Lee Jones gave Will Smith the noisy cricket, that small little gun that Will Smith discounted, but he fired it, it blew him back. It had more power than he realized. You may be at the kiddie table, but right now you still got more power than you realize. But when he got to the end of Minute Black, it was time for the noisy cricket to go bye-bye. Because when they're handling... Some big situations, 
They popped open the trunk and pulled out the big guns. One of the reasons you need to grow up spiritually is so you can handle the big guns. So you can handle some upgraded giftings. So you can handle higher levels of anointings. You have to grow up so that you can carry something greater. See, because as we keep reading, we see some of the gifts he gave, we see in verse 11, are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What we call the fivefold ministry gifts. Why did Jesus give them? Verse 12, for the perfecting, the maturing, the growing up of the saints. Why is he growing up the saints? So they can do the work of the ministry. A lot of times people think, oh, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teachers. They're the only ones in the work of the ministry. No, it's all of us. We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation. We're all called to bring people to Jesus. We all have a place in the body of Christ. Till we all come into the unity of faith. So one of the reasons he gave ministry gifts is so we can grow up. One of the main things, I stand in multiple offices, but one of them I stand in is the office of pastor. And so one of the things that God does to help you grow up, he'll say things through me or do things through me as your pastor. Now, the thing is, if that's the case, if God has given you ministry gifts to help you grow up, then you need to be where they are so you can grow. That means you need to come to church. Man, that's like five amens. Four nods and five amens. That's like again. That means you need to come to church. I know he's like, well, I'm in church, Pastor. I know some of you at your once every six week visit. But we gotta grow higher. Now, some of you work on Sundays, and I get that. You're not in a position where you can come every Sunday. But you know what you do? If you have to work on Sunday, you have to miss church. That's why we put everything on Facebook Live, our podcast, and our YouTube. When you got off work, he said, I'm going to go listen to that message. I'm going to hear what the Holy Ghost is saying to me in my church, and I'm going to grow. And you make your decision that I'm still going to get the work even if I can't make it that Sunday. And then you start setting your faith. says, you know what? I'm going to be able to have my schedule changed where I can go to work on, I can go to work on other days. I can go to church on Sunday, and I'm going to make more money doing it. So you start saying it and speaking faith concerning it because don't you think God wants you to come to church on Sunday? So just get in agreement with God. And don't feel guilty if you work on Sunday. You know, you to do what you have to do. But believe God to turn that situation around. And as soon as he does, make sure you're in the house of God every Sunday. And so if he's giving you ministry gifts and we put out different teachings and messages and podcasts and videos, make sure you listen. Make sure you take advantage of it. Because it helps you grow. It helps you mature. That's why God gave ministry gifts to help you grow into spiritual maturity. So we have to be on mission. Say on mission. mission. Part of our mission is to grow up spiritually. Because as we grow up spiritually, we can handle the big guns. Remember, we are carriers of the glory, as we saw in the top secret file. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 3 and begin to close. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass or a mirror the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Amplified Classic Edition says it this way, and all of us, as with unveiled face, because we 
continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are constantly being transfigured into his very own image, in ever-increasing splendor, and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are to go from glory to glory to glory. There are degrees to the glory. Everyone's at a different degree. As we said, Christ needs the hope of glory, the expectation of glory. There's more glory. You could be at one degree today, but increase to another degree tomorrow. We're supposed to go from glory to glory to glory. Notice it says we are changed or transfigured. That's the same word used about Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration when he transformed and transfigured before Peter, James, and John and began to shine with the glory of God. Notice Paul says we're changed into that very same image consistently, constantly. That's one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing, bringing us to more places and higher degrees of glory. There are degrees to the glory that we live in and degrees to the glory that we experience as we gather together in our faith experiences. And as we learned last week, there is a weight to the glory. The glory has weights and degrees. We are to go from one degree of glory to the next. We are to carry weightier and weightier amounts of the glory. And as you yield to God's plan for your life, to the twofold mission, and what's in the top secret file, you will advance in degrees. See, I've known and met people who've walked in other degrees. I've studied other people who've walked in higher degrees. Someone like Catherine Kuhlman, someone God used mightily in the last century. Mighty woman of God, known for the presence of God filling her meetings and miracles happening. And see, her personality, she was just very dramatic. She talked slow and was just very demonstrative and dramatic. And so some person said, oh, that's fake. And, and they said it out loud. And they're sitting next to her sister and said, no, that's just Catherine. She's been like that my whole life. That was just her. That was just, you know, God uses unique people. And so there was a person, uh, someone shared a Facebook video of a Catherine Kuhlman meeting on my, uh, my Facebook page the other day. And so I was watching. I'd seen that clip before. They were speaking at my alma mater, ORU, in chapel back in the 70s. And then someone else commented on it who I hadn't met before, and they said that they went to ORU in the 70s, and they were in one of her meetings. She said she had only heard, she heard, saw her on TV and how dramatic they were, she was. And so, you know, when they came to the meeting, you know, they were all giggling. They go, oh, people are going to fall down and all this. But they said when they walked into the arena, the presence of God was already there. Catherine hadn't came out yet. The service hadn't started. But the arena was filled with the presence of God. People were getting healed before church even started. And it just increased when she came out. She walked in degrees of the glory. She increased in the glory. She so desired the presence of the Holy Ghost. One time in a message just preached, she broke down and cried, says, don't grieve the Holy Ghost. He's all I got. She would lean on him and depend on him to do supernatural things. There was one time that she left one of these meetings and was walking through a restaurant and through a kitchen, and all of a sudden, everything got quiet. And she looked around. Satan's sinner fell out under the power of God. She didn't pray to nothing. She was in her own world just walking through. She walked in a greater degree of glory. You know, I read stories about John G. Lake and Smith Wigglesworth, who they'd just be on trains minding their own business, taking a train, going wherever they go to the next city where they're going to minister, and they're just sitting on the train, and they look out the window, 
and they see these people living, leaving bars, taking the alcohol, pouring it out on the street, falling to their knees, and repenting before God. No one preached. The man of God who walked in glory was just on a train right through the city. People like Mariah Woodworth Edder. People would testify a 40-mile radius around her. Stuff would happen. It was the glory. I remember reading about Azusa Street Revival. What sparked what became the 20th century Pentecostal movement. How strong the glory was in the house. They could even see it. It appeared as cloud. It appeared as fire. But the presence would radiate around the building. There was one time that people were getting off a subway station blocks away. And they encountered the presence of God and fell to their faces. It would just radiate out of that place. And so I remember, man, it's about 10 years ago. I went to Argentina on my first mission trip down there. And that church is the largest church in the nation. It's been a revival for decades now. It's a pastor by, name, by a man named Claudio Frizzo. And so the atmosphere of that church is just different, filled with the presence of God. And so halfway through the trip, we were upstairs eating, talking about all the great things God has done, all the miracles we saw. And then Pastor Frazon walks in, just walks into the room, just all nice and loving. But as he walked in, the presence of God came in. And we went from eating our sandwiches to falling on the floor. We didn't prepare for a meeting. Someone who walked in greater degrees of glory walked in. And so one of my friends married one of the young ladies from that church. And so they came to visit us a year and a half ago. And they came to church. And they told me afterwards, I said, Carrick, I can tell the impact Ray Day Ray has had on you. Because this church's atmosphere feels like Argentina. They said, we can feel it, the, that same thing in the atmosphere. Why, we're increasing in degrees of the glory. To the point that we're going to get to the point when before church even opens, people standing outside to get in. They get healed in line. They pull up on this property, they start feeling better. They park and they get delivered. Because the degrees are increasing. We as individuals are going to decrease in the, increase in the glory. But as a church family, we're going to increase in the glory of God. See, the word glory in Hebrew is also defined as heavy with everything good. As we saw last week, the glory is that treasure or the deposit place in earthen vessels. In the glory within you are wonderful giftings that God has given you to operate in your God-given talents, abilities, and spiritual empowerments will be manifestations of the glory of God, and it will bring God glory. So are you grown enough to handle the big guns? Are you grown enough to carry greater weight to the glory? Are you further enough on the mission to operate in greater levels of the gifts God has placed in you? If you're not, it's time to grow. If you're not, it's time to level up. There's more glory for us. There's some greater degrees we are to walk in. There's some greater weights we are to carry. Because the Lord said he's coming back for a glorious church, a church in glory without spot or wrinkle. He's coming for a church that everyone is operating in the glory of God, not just some pastors, not just some super spiritual people, but the entire body of Christ, glorious, carrying higher degrees and weights of the glory of God. There's different gifts. We'll talk about it next week. There's different impartation God puts in you. And they manifest in different ways because the Holy Ghost is creative. And you can't max out the limit of his creativity. 
We are to covet the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. We are to desire. We should hotly pursue it. We should want it. In an old video, Dad Hagen said that he says, do you want to know the difference of why some churches have two manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit and others have seven or more? He says, when it's just two, the pastor covers the gifts. But when it's seven or more, the entire church wants it. Because see, the thing is, if we operate in the gifts of the Spirit and we flow in the Holy Ghost, we can complete our mission, which is the same mission behind the Christmas story. We'll be able to win more people for Jesus than we've ever seen before. We'll be able to fulfill the twofold mission of going after souls and the glory of God. That we must do anything short of sin to win people to Jesus. And we must be those who operate in the glory of God. And because we have the glory of God, because we have gifts within us, let's ignite an awakening that impacts Georgia and influences the world through the power of the love of Jesus. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.